when we were younger and earned less, we were more reactive, right? So there yeah. was a there was a whatever earthquake crisis, yeah, whatever, yeah. and and we would respond to that, and and that would be our form of giving. Now we were like, okay, but institutions matter, organizations matter. Um, it's not it's not about being reactive; it's about being proactive and recognizing what you want to support yeah. in the world. And also, I think you don't want to sort of you want to be strategic about it, right? I think diving a little deeper into how we started thinking about it. Like you don't want your donation to be a drop in the ocean for a very large organization. Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Continuing the Conversation with Kriti and Dijo. This is Dijo. Hi, this is Kriti. And today we are talking about our thoughts on giving thoughtfully. This is a topic that Kriti and I at least go back to quite often. So there's a lot of history to this conversation. So we'll spend a bit of time maybe giving a quick overview of how we think about people giving and then how we personally think about people giving. giving. And then maybe how we think about you giving. Uh, that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be broadly the flow, I guess. But uh, but yeah, Kriti, like what what do you what when you think about people giving? Uh, what are sort of the big, um, you know, big archetypes in your mind and where do you yeah. think we fit in? Um, there are all of these sort of schools of thoughts on giving systematically, thoughtfully and at scale to solve some of the world's biggest problems. So that's sort of one bucket. And within that, I think there are a bunch of different models. Um, to give a few examples, you know, there's impact investing which is essentially investing in the kinds of businesses or organizations uh, that are going to have a positive impact on society or on the environment or both, and at the same time also generate you know economic value. Then there's sort of a philanthropic, pure philanthropic giving kind of a model. Like when you, most people will think of a Bill Gates as sort of an example of that. Grant based giving, which like no no return view kind of attached to that. Yeah. Um, and then there is, you know, newer ways of thinking about it, like a, like a McKinsey Scott kind of a giving model, right? Where you don't even have, uh, you don't have organizations necessarily applying for grants, you know, or sort of a published investment thesis or strategy, but you just kind of give, give grants out as almost like awards so that organizations that fit your idea of doing good can continue to do the good work they've already been doing right and i think that's a really interesting sort of new way of thinking about it because these kind of sort of untied funds really can help impact focused organizations build themselves institutionally right invest in teams invest in sort of you know their their staff having better work life balance which as you know in the impact sector is a rare thing so yeah these are sort of the big at scale kind of giving approaches i think when it comes to giving capital yeah i was just going to say everything you mentioned is about money but of course people give time as well you volunteer yeah people change career paths to get get impact funding or people just have been in that sector a lot of our friends have been in that sector their entire lives so there's also time uh and how much of that you shave off but yeah and even in the time piece right there's different ways of thinking about how to give your time or even your life to creating a positive impact on society, right? There's there's sort of the service model where, mm-hmm. you know, you might serve society based on whatever skills you have. Like or values. Skills or values, yeah. yeah. 
like you think of a you know i think the 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 household names like mother teresa and others sort of serve in a particular way or you could think of like a a doctor you know providing yeah. medical care for free yeah or you could think of something like you know in sikhism you have the seva concept where you're sort of serving society in sort of small bundles of time so you know maybe not your entire life devoted to something but you have to carve out some time but you carve out some time society which is yeah. i think a very very cool yeah. concept and, and it's th- not necessarily skill based in that sense then right it's you you serve you fill whatever you do whatever needs to be done whether it's washing dishes or you yeah. know serving food or whatever and the i guess the money equivalent of that is zakat in in islam Um, yeah. where you give a certain portion of your income i think it's like 2.5% of your income every year as long as you meet a certain as minimum you meet a threshold certain of threshold. yeah, yeah. in fact all religions i think have some idea of giving which is which is interesting because if you think about this idea of giving i think fundamentally it's rooted in the idea that we are part of something bigger than ourselves that we do not only for ourselves but for a bigger system and it th- that idea is institutionalized frankly in in the i guess in taxes right but no one thinks of taxes yeah. as giving because the nation like, state version of giving yeah but but yeah like nobody thinks of taxes as giving which is an interesting point maybe we'll come back to that but but so basically you were saying two types right money and time yeah. and you know either you give uh in, in all or a little all or know? a little it's like is your whole identity associated with your giving work uh or is it a part of what you do yeah and i think most of us are in that latter category right yeah. it's not like our whole lives or our whole careers or our you know all of our capital or majority of our capital is going into you know charitable causes yeah. we have you know many different things going on in life we have jobs we have some of us have kids um you know and giving is a part of it and I, I, i'm just going back to uh, a little bit of us how how we started thinking about giving in a structured way uh, because i think about 5 years ago came back from masters program started doing like a more uh, a kind of job where it wasn't sort of living bare minimum kind of like we started actually earning a certain amount of income i don't think we've ever income. been bare minimum in like a statistical sense it's, no so it's just really clear on but, that but but like yeah. we, like we didn't earn enough to like think about giving re- yeah. like reasonable quantums for yeah. organizations in a structured sort of yeah. way it was I like i think it felt like for the first time our surplus can make a big change in an yeah. organization yeah. and therefore we should think about how to you know we should be you know going back to the title of this episode yeah. be thoughtful about how we allocate that surplus when we were younger and earned less we were more reactive right so there yeah. was a there was a whatever earthquake crisis yeah, whatever yeah. and and we would respond to that and and that would be our form of giving now we were like okay but institutions matter organizations matter um it's not it's not about being reactive it's about being proactive and recognizing what you want to support yeah. in the world and also i think you don't want to sort of you want to be strategic about it right i think diving a little deeper into how we started thinking about it like you don't want your donation to be a drop in the ocean for a very large organization because yeah. that it's not that impactful yeah well i don't know if i thought about it as strategic as much as i but, but that's a good point like I mean, we would never donate to like a massive national fund for yeah. example but but i also i also remember us wanting to be consistent 
right? Yeah. Like find those organizations that we think uh, we would continue to support over a period of time. And, I, and we'll talk about some of those organizations that we are very excited to support and want to continue to support for some time. But I also think w- the way we arrived at it was like, hey, this is our surplus income. We were inspired a bit by the concept of zakat at that point, and we decided, okay, a certain portion of this income is going to go mm. into charity every like year, at least this much. Yeah, and and if in a year we can't find enough institutions that we want to give to, you know, we earmark that amount. It continues to grow. Mm. It's part of our portfolio, and we come back to it because there may be a time in the future where we want to give a really large amount for any particular moment in time. We don't know when. Mm. So so we st- start thinking all th- through all of these layers, right? Like, what is the quantum? Who are the organizations? What is the thinking behind those organizations? What's the framework? And also, like, if we can't give enough in a year, how do we think about that amount going yeah. forward? So it, it's almost like part of our financial portfolio now, the way we think about it. Uh, and, you know, when I was in my mid-20s, I, I didn't even think about the concept of financial portfolio. Or a portfolio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, so, we, so it's a very different space we were in in our, yeah. in our late 20s. And I think that's been sort of a... That's the way we've been thinking about it for the past five years now, I would say, and uh, five, yeah. six years now. Yeah. It also works. I think, you know, <clears throat> we always talk about how much cap, how much money do I have to give. Yeah. But there's also bandwidth that's limited, right? You don't have so much energy or time to, you know, think weekly about giving. So it has to, it has to have a periodicity. I think that's how we decided to do this annually, right? Like every year we'll take a, take a decision. Yeah in terms of which organizations to give to and how much etc yeah. and then I think the reason it's really worked well for us is also because as our bandwidth time and bandwidth you know with kids and you know jobs getting more hectic and all of that continues to get more and more constrained this is something we're still able to keep up with yeah. it doesn't require a lot of you know active work or thinking on like a weekly basis but that's so that's the dichotomy of it I think in our earlier 20s at least in my case right I was doing I was working in the development sector. Yeah, we both were. We both were. I still am in You in still are, way. so I didn't, it's not been in a big some shift ways, for but you. Not but not really. But for me, it was a big shift <laughs> yeah. five, six years ago. Suddenly, I was not, my time was not going into mm. necessarily the kind of organizations yeah. I wanted to support, uh, right? And and as I went into a corporate gig where not organizations that were... to your idea of what it means to give back to society. Yeah. So therefore, this idea of like, you know, if I'm not giving time, I should give money. Mm. And... Uh, and, and, you know, people go the other way around as well, right? People make a different journey, which is that I've given a lot of money, you know, people have, whatever, given charity their whole lives, but now I want to give time. I want my career to be about the development sector. And there is that trade-off, I think, you know, typically if you work in the development sector, you're not making a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. So your time is your most valuable resource and that's what you invest. But if you're not working in the development sector, probably financial resources or whatever specific skill set you may have in terms of giving time, is the most valuable thing. So part-time volunteering, for example, is still helpful. But in our case, I think we realized that... I think, uh, yeah, it all comes down to what is the scale in some ways because, you know, this is one of the arguments in effective altruism that no matter how useful your skills are, ultimately, if you're trying to make an impact at a large scale, you need to think about what would be the most effective way for your capital to have that impact and really critical in that equation is who is ultimately going to be using that money. And if those people are professionals and know about the context and the problem and the solution, then better than contributing your time and whatever is your one person limited skill set is to give capital to an organization or an entity that has 
spend decades working on a particular solution to a particular problem yeah right so there's there's the element of is this problem relevant for the world it does it need to get solved do you have enough capital to help solve it but then it's not possible for you to have the skill set to solve all of the problems that you care about and want to give to so how do you effectively allocate that capital amongst organizations that do have that knowledge and that skill set yeah and and for us i think because there's such a decision around um you know obviously there are millions of causes in the world um and we have like you were saying you know give it to the resources uh, give it to the people who you think are doing the most effective job and and there's so many of those right so you you have to pick i think areas that you're interested in supporting yeah. and that's where the consistency point i mentioned earlier we we decided i think ultimately there are few places that we really want to yeah uh, give to and you know off the top of my head they were broadly uh, public the, infrastructure public infrastructure uh, independent press hmm. and and then keep some aside for sort of immediate relief efforts immediate emergency right? relief yeah. efforts and uh, yeah over the years i think we've done yeah. all of that in a fairly and structured way and i think way. when we first now i remember when we first had this conversation about doing this in a structured way yeah. one of the issues that we did also land on that we care about but haven't so far managed to give consistently to is um gender equity and welfare of children and i don't think we've sort of you know maybe haven't thought enough deeply enough about it but you know that's that's also i think one of the causes it's interesting with the two top organizations i think we've given to consistently kind of kind of skirt around both of those issues but I mean, yeah, yeah but I mean, not in a focused way so yeah. yeah to talk about one of them right the community library project yeah. is an incredible organization that we've been donating to annually and for about 3 uh, years now i think yeah yeah and what they do is essentially you know they set up free libraries largely in in neighborhoods where there are more you know lower income uh, households where um, and and you know kids and adults uh, you know can come and sort of read there but it's not just limited to it being a library right i think the most exciting part now that we know the organization a bit better and you know have visited and sort of engaged with them a bit more is how they program all kinds of super thoughtful activities around the library space right so as you were saying they engage all of the library members with issues of gender equity and you know harmony in the community and you know lgbtq issues and environmental you know all kinds of interesting topics that it's almost like a providing a safe space but also a learning space to kids who wouldn't have access to that kind of information that kind of not just books right but the whole discourse Yeah. Kids who wouldn't have as- access to discourse about gender equity. Yeah. I think the coolest thing about them is 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 it's in the words right it's it's the community they've built uh, over the years and and then the coolest thing I think for us has been seeing some of the kids who spent time in that environment and then gone up and gone back yeah. to contribute. Yeah. And taken on like a library management role. Yeah, and then contributing back role. to that, yeah. you know, it's almost it's 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 quite it's it's been I think for us one of the more uh incredible organizations we could find and it was touch and feel right like the, these were libraries yeah. in our in some ways uh, in our uh, backyard another organization i think we f- focus on i mean we'll actually focus on a number of different independent press organizations but khabar lahariya is one yeah. that we, uh, we we particularly uh particularly excited about it's a women run platform uh usually people from um you know small UB, towns and yeah. and and not from 
the sort of english speaking journalism right these are very much grassroots journalists uh, many of them live in the communities they report on um and 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 it's very sort of i, I wouldn't i don't want to denigrated as like but it is kind of guerrilla journalism right it's not big cameras a Lo- lot of these videos are recorded on like but phone cameras I, w- I, w- I wouldn't use the word gor- so it's not I wouldn't use the word guerrilla journalism because it's not activisty sure. in its focus yeah. in terms of themes and topics yeah, it's yeah, like that's true. what is important to the people yeah. what is important to the communities where these stories are coming from those are the kind of topics yeah. that they choose to report on right yeah. it's not like any kind of ideological focus or yeah. anything like that yeah. But it's again incredible community of uh, female journalists, journalists, right? Like, yeah. I, like the first time I came across it, I was like, "No way, this is like yeah, sustainable." Yeah, it was and, like, unbelievable that it could even exist. Uh, the content existed, and then like the content was was fantastic, frankly, and and the fact that it's sustained over the years just and it hasn't fizzled out. There is now amazing. a documentary film on it that we actually haven't seen yet, which we should watch oh, really? on this organization. Yeah. I'm oh. forgetting what it's called, but I also remember reading that the that Khabar Lahiriya itself wasn't fully happy with how they were portrayed in the film. Oh, interesting! But I think it's it's a it's from what I've heard a well-made film. We should watch it. Oh, cool! <laughs> yeah. Okay, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. um, cool. So, so yeah, I mean, these are just a sample of the organizations that I think we we try and consistently give to, um, and 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 you can see in in some ways there are some themes that we like to support and these organizations in many ways manifest some yeah. of those themes and therefore you know we're we're relatively comfortable with the way we do this but there is always every year a provocative situation or two that makes us reconsider uh, yeah. and rethink and it could be a natural disaster right uh, though we have a structured like the question is always like how much for this one how much of the next one you know mm. like how how do you how do you think about quantifying that yeah what you've carved out at the start of the year does that make sense to stick to or you yeah. know like for example when covid happened and oxygen tanks was a thing yeah and so much migrant labor we just like yeah you know and so many of these kind of responsive or changed our response yeah. rather. I, I, the thing though is i think the problem with these kind of reactive bursts of giving and we've done this too yeah is it depends so much on how the story is being told to you right and you don't know if the you know different natural disasters and depending on the location and the you know frankly the political context of that disaster are rep- reported on very differently right yeah. if this whole covid relief situation was not happening right here in delhi uh you know would it have been reported on the same way would we have so much depth of storytelling on individual you know suffering etc i mean similarly so many other disasters don't get the kind of coverage that they deserve right so I think my whole issue with like um this kind of donating to relief efforts one is of course it's a drop in the ocean yeah uh so how much impact is it really having you have to be thoughtful about what is your you know uh, donation going towards within the larger relief effort and the second is is it are you just responding emotionally to the to way the it's being portrayed yeah. and i think for a lot of people giving is emotional and i don't think there's anything wrong with that right yeah yeah of course i was going to give an example actually of what happened in covid um which i think brings up two points to me one is how much institutions matter and then how much um in terms of scale and then how much the personal connect and the story matters so so when covid happened and and so much so much so many people so many migrant laborers in the country were stuck uh, one of our friends along with a collective of people set up swan <clears throat> which which um 
did a lot of research on the lives of of the migrant laborers but also started identifying people who desperately needed funds uh because of their personal situations which were a variety of reasons but normally you know for health emergencies or travel emergencies and um this was a new co- uh, sort of institution so it wasn't fully organized and and the way they were doing it is they were literally identifying individuals and and connecting people who were interested in donating to individuals yeah, directly yeah like a peer to peer a peer to peer kind of thing and uh, you know in, in retrospect it was the most direct way like the most assured way you had a network that was identifying individuals who desperately needed help but at the same time it was supremely inefficient like you know i had to like literally find bank accounts upload them on my whatever internet banking and then one by give one like do the transfer give like 2000 rupees to yeah. a person yeah but if if yeah. you know and that was a rate limiter right yeah. their ability to find people my ability to kind of do the banking stuff and if there was an institution that did this in a much more streamlined way we would have probably given a much larger quantum but it would have been much more uh, distant yeah. right i think peer to peer peer to peer giving is something that has become platformized yeah. in some sense now through you know platforms like milap and milap. and many others yeah but uh, but this was a particular situation right where the person didn't have the time or the capacity to create a you know to to make the ask yeah right um but yeah i feel like i hope that that's something you know there are new models that emerge for that now that we have so much sort of frictionless digital payments uh that yeah. are feasible right no but but so the reason i was going to bring up the institution point was um when a new kind of emergency happens hmm. usually the institutional setup is not it's not there yet is not there yet yeah. right um uh, and uh, it's not always clear i mean of course there are places like red cross and you know doctors without borders all all kinds of organizations that are always in the thick of uh these crises and donating to them probably makes sense um yeah i think that's where i agree with you right yeah. here maybe the best way to respond to this you know these types of situations is to donate to a preparedness effort yeah or an organization that is designed exactly to you know be you know to uh, operate in situations of emergency but the 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 point about covid back then especially the second wave it was such an overwhelming event for the country but i would argue that your donations your small micro donations to individuals in yeah. this scenario were were emotional and reactive and not consistent with our systematic thoughtful way of giving I I would I would agree with you yes I mean of course you're right but also again so that that's why I was saying there are certain situations that happen hopefully few and far in between where it seems so uh urgent urgent yeah. uh and and the quantum of giving and by the way this was a time in the whole I think everyone in our circle was trying to figure out ways to give right yeah. it wasn't like people weren't responding yeah. but it just seemed like systems were overwhelmed mm. and it was very personal it was like it was india it wasn't like some other country going through yeah. something and it um, was people we trusted who knew the individuals in yeah, need yeah so so all i'm saying is that you know you can have all this structured thinking and approach and there are still times because for exactly the reason you said it is an emotional thing yeah. uh, no matter how um, how you feel uh, at the start of a year during the year things provoke us and yeah. I, so this was one example another example i think we constantly debate uh which is the classic situation in 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 India what do you do with uh people asking for arms at at traffic lights right and i think that's something that we we've gone back and forth over the years on on how yeah. you should approach that situation it is a form of daily giving for many many people in the country uh finding people who are ask explicitly asking for arms 
and and for us it's always been yeah. uh, I mean, a little confusing i mean for me confusing. it's always been something that it's exactly the opposite of thoughtful giving it's how i was brought up to think right we we yeah. also have in, you know have had for a long time information about you know organized exploitative uh, begging yeah uh, activities yeah. right so you don't know you know what 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 is actually being done with the 100 rupees you hand over to someone out of the window is it making their situation in the long run worse or better yeah right uh so i you know i even today don't really see the argument for it but of course there are cases where you just feel sort of emotionally overwhelmed and then you try to sort of give in kind or you know respond to an immediate need for food rather than sort of giving money that could be taken away by an exploiter yeah. but it's but, complex so yeah it's complex yeah. and i agree with you and i i i think uh, the the default think thinking that i've been brought up with was always food and water right you always give food and water uh, and that's why it was slightly different i mean you know i i i wasn't i wouldn't say i was not as aware as you were perhaps about the exploitative nature uh, until i was a bit older but but yeah the idea was food and water but i think the the now the complexity of being parents and having a kid who's going to very soon start noticing Yeah. this stuff is and how do you teach you don't have all the answers you don't have all the answers but you want her to learn empathy you want her to yeah. be aware of her environment yeah. being very different from people but i the think there's a the empathy thing is really important yeah because i think sometimes there's a tendency to respond emotionally and give and then your empathy is satisfied and then you're kind of done right you're not you're not going on thinking about uh i think that's the dangerous piece for me Mm. You know is your sense of empathy being satisfied by a false is it like a false sense of sense of satisfaction you're getting from giving in a not very thoughtful but emotionally reactive way and mm. then is that taking away from the empathetic energy which also you have a limited reserve of right that's to give in a systematic way yeah that's a very because i don't it's think it's not just the capital right yeah. because you you may systematically give a much larger amount than the smaller amounts yeah. you emotionally give But what about your own sort of bandwidth and empathetic capability? That's interesting because you—that's actually a very interesting frame for me because now that I think about it, I don't think I've ever given and felt satisfied, right? Yeah. I've always felt like this is probably not enough, right? And it—it it, like we try and round it into a number with zeros in it. But that's a really personal thing. I think yeah. a lot of people get an immediate like it's—it's it's almost like the instant gratification version of charity. Yeah. It's like I'm gonna eat some popcorn and immediately feel good, or you know I'm gonna give somebody money because they were asking for it at a traffic light and then feel good about myself, even though I've not really made a difference in any in an individual's life or, uh, or you know a larger scale issue. Yeah, but I yeah I let's pull back from that one because what people personally feel I think it it is emotive and whatever reason you do it you do it right like um, I think that that's not. that's not for us to judge like whatever reasons people give people give but um when you when when you think about teaching your kid empathy uh the thing is in india poverty is in your face it's visceral it's in your environment and our way of structured giving is not is not in her face is not so therefore how do you how do you it's make your student it's not related necessarily i also don't i'm not sure if how we think strategically about giving is entirely related to empathy i think yeah. it's also related to just a, a you know an idea of trying to bring about system systematic change 
or like mm. an idea of what a better world looks like so so to coming come back to this this idea that it is an emotive thing we have tried to make it structured yeah. and premeditative and proactive rather than reactive and that is in some sense in contrast to you know the reason why people give and therefore it is a difficult leap to make yeah. uh, and even we struggle yeah. with it and i think everyone will struggle with it but <clears throat> i think the reasons why we've done it is because of what you said before we want to be consistent in our values there are certain organizations we deeply care about the work that they do and we want to support them but it's not like it's straightforward it's not like this yeah. is it this is the playbook because it it gets challenged yeah. every year one way or another either through our kid or through things that it's are not, happening in the world and you know before we close this i do want to park two things that we have not addressed one is taxes <laughs> yeah <laughs> and taxes as a way of giving back and how important taxes actually are i think yeah um and what a bad rep taxes have but uh let's park that one away i don't think we have, you know can address that in this discussion no we should talk mm-hmm. about it a bit because i think it's important to talk about of mm-hmm. course people are always talking about what the tax rate should be and how much the government should or should not keep it i think the way we think about it it's not a question about that of course there are times when uh you know there are inefficiencies in tax collection and that gets compensated by the tax rate there are inefficiencies in government redistributing and that that impacts uh how you how you feel about the money that you're giving away and what it's being used for but i think fundamentally the way we think about it is that it's nation building yeah uh it we belong to a community that is bigger than our ability to yeah. identify all the problems that are going on in the country yeah and uh, the the government has a role to play and without financial resources it can't play that role oh yeah and i think the argument usually comes in when you know i don't think people are arguing about the need for taxes to build roads because i'm yeah. paying taxes i'm using the road yeah, yeah i think the argument comes in where you know my tax money is being used for social welfare sure. and maybe i don't want to uh, give to yeah. that particular yeah. type of social welfare program and maybe i could do it more efficiently maybe i can do I it more efficiently yeah. by you know yeah. deciding on my own <clears> which what's a more effective correct but you but i think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier which is institutions matter yeah and and for scale and and frankly no one has the scale yeah, of government yeah. and if you want to if you want to contribute to welfare at large for your country it is hard to find an organization that has the reach of the government right yeah uh so we, yeah i think you know in addition to all our structure thing i think the only other point we'd make is that taxes are important pay your taxes yeah. no and there's <laughs> one more point i want to make right yeah. the last point i want to make is uh about the idea of doing no harm because and just to give like a really extreme example here right suppose you know just i think one type of harmful business activity i can think of i guess is manufacturing single use plastics for you know some kind of non essential use cases right if you're sort of a business owner that manufactures single use plastics which are uh you know really harmful for the environment and yet you're you know giving systematically to charity uh large sums of wealth you know in a thoughtful way right what's the trade off there because yeah how do you, how i don't know how to think about it because i think it gets more complicated than like it's easy to pick on on the the capitalist sorry the capitalist in that situation but there's also the consumer Oh yeah. And um and and I know there's this whole argument hey you know focus at the source yeah. of 
the uh, the problem and not not the downstream consumer but consumers make choices and 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 you know they consume single plastics and some of them don't have the choice they just have to do it um, and you can never have a perfect you know mathematical sense of the trade offs right is it better to you know just consume very thoughtfully in a do no harm like if you had do no harm as your primary principle of giving and actually did not give away any actual capital or time would you net net have done better for society by living in a way that did no harm than somebody who gave very thoughtfully yeah. gave lots but actually their primary occupation created a lot of harm so Th- th- there's this show that you've not watched which i always insist that you should watch which is uh, the good place oh yeah i've uh, seen a, f- a few episodes you've seen the first season i think you're talking about the the mathematical model they have of your what's your net good and net bad correct correct and the conclusion was that hey the world has become so complicated hmm. that it's actually impossible to net out good uh, because the superstructures were in considering what's going on to the planet and and the inequities uh, that are persisting in in society so so therefore i think it is very hard it is probably yeah. the most hard thing to ask a person to say do which is do no harm it is very hard to consistently live that value yeah in in the complexity of our current world so for example your single plastics user industrial right could argue that hey i shut down my factory someone else will replace it right Mm-hmm. or i am so critical to a certain if there's no one to replace it i'm so critical oh, to yeah. a supply chain and that jobs. and jobs yeah. and all of that right so it, it it's not straightforward to suggest yeah. that your charity has to be consistent with all the activities you do in a day it's yeah. it's not straightforward to do that at all of course it's an aspirational value we should be thoughtful if you have the bandwidth to do it we should be th- thoughtful but we should also hope that the superstructures that we create are going to get to a better equilibrium that allows people to be more consistent with their values rather than have to compromise consciously or subconsciously uh, which is basically what's happening right now i think people are not always aware of every activity they do and and the downstream and upstream consequences of it it's a very difficult calculation to keep running in your head yeah um, a lot of i mean <laughs> <laughs> on that note <laughs> um, yeah on that note um, i think that's all we have time for because it's baby's dinner time yeah Cool. Okay. All right. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.